Hi, it's Rebecca Whitman, your host of the Balanced, Beautiful, and Abundant Show. I'm a top-rated life coach, an international best-selling author, and a multi-passionate entrepreneur. I'm on a mission to help you go from burned out to balanced, beautiful, and abundant. The experts on this show will help you achieve work-life balance so that you can experience abundance in seven pillars of life, spirituality, health, emotions, romance, mindset, social, and financial life. When you have all seven pillars of life in alignment, you are balanced, beautiful, and abundant. Let's go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Balanced, Beautiful, and Abundant show. I'm your host, Rebecca Whitman. We are taking you from burned out and overwhelmed to balanced, beautiful, and abundant. I'm so excited. I was rated binge-worthy by the Binge-Worthy Podcast Factor and so grateful to all of you for listening and sharing the show because we were rated top 1.5% globally all over the world in self-help. So this podcast is growing like crazy and it's because of you guys. So thank you so much. Today we have an incredible guest. Her name is Patty Handy. Hi, Patty. Welcome to the show. Rebecca, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes, I'm excited to talk all things money with you. So Patty is a certified executive life coach and an author of four books. She combines 20 years of being a financial advisor and mortgage broker with being a financial coach for women, but everybody who's listening is going to get financial tips, so don't worry, guys. Uh, She is passionate about helping divorced, widowed, and single women take control of their finances. She believes creating financial confidence is crucial to women's well-being, and I could not agree with you more. So, Patty... I know you told me a little bit in our first call about your journey with divorce and money and financial abundance. Can you share your story with our listeners? Absolutely. So many years ago, I went through a divorce. Uh, My son was 18 months old at the time. And it was a period of time where I was unemployed because I left my corporate banking job to have my son. Uh, We had been trying for five years and had him through in vitro. So I wanted to be at home with him desperately. So after my divorce, I had to go back out and find work, and I uh, landed in the mortgage business, which was wonderful. Um, it allowed me flexibility with my schedule. I could be at home. I could be a full-time mom. Um, but it was all commission. You know, money was just one of those volatile things. I got myself into credit card debt. Things were a mess. And I knew that I wanted to, with that situation, someday take my life experience um, and help other women who have gone through divorce or really soaring solo in life uh, to navigate money. Uh, with my work in the mortgage business for many years and then a financial advisor, I found that so many women were just very um, frustrated, overwhelmed, and fearful. There's a lot of embarrassment around investing in money. And I just thought, you know what, I'm going to change this. So I took a leap of faith, left my job as a financial advisor, and left the corporate you know, world and and went out on my own. So here I am. <laughs> and how long have you been out on your own now? I, it's actually just been as of April of this year. So we're just talking you know, a few months. And how's it going? Yeah, it's going great. I, I love it. I, I'm having some wonderful conversations, um, have some clients I'm working with, and I am 
just really enjoying getting to know people on this on this deeper level. The the impact that I'm able to make is just it's very fulfilling. Wow. That's yeah. That's so great. So I really believe that mindset is everything to achieve mm-hmm. financial freedom. And I know you feel the same way. Yes. Um, how can people shift their mindset, maybe from scarcity to abundance? Or what is the mindset that you teach your clients to have to make more money? So it really starts with understanding their money story and their relationship with money. So a lot of times we're going on autopilot in life and we're not really thinking about, okay, what is our money story? What did I hear growing up? What was the programming in my subconscious mind? What's going on that is this loop that I don't even realize is happening? Um, What we fail to realize is 95% of our external reality is based off of our subconscious programming and it's subconscious. We don't even know what's going. So we spend some time unpacking what their money story is, what that looks like, what do they hear? And that's a journey. Sometimes you just don't, you know, that question doesn't come just automatically with answers immediately. You've got to sort of process that and go, well, you know, I remember hearing money doesn't grow on trees and rich people are greedy and some of those things that you hear, or you hear, oh gosh, opportunity is everywhere. Possibilities are everywhere. There's an abundance of money. It's just, you know, a piece of paper. I mean, it depends on what you heard. So it's identifying that first and then poking holes in the false realities that you think are your reality. So let's go, okay, you know what? That is not true. Which people are like greedy. I know a lot of very wealthy people who are lovely and they're very generous and they're very charitable. So we poke holes in that and then we unpack and unlearn and then reprogram. And that is honestly a, a journey. No one ever becomes this, um, you know, completely free because our subconscious is always playing with us. But once we have that awareness, we are able to stop ourselves very quickly, which is fantastic in part of that reprogramming piece. Yeah. The whole process we're going through. Yeah. I feel that there's a lot of limiting beliefs around money. Like you said, some of the common ones are money doesn't grow on trees or, you know, money, making money is hard. Um, yeah, I'm meant to have a lot of money, you know, my parents were poor, so I'm going to be poor. And, and then it's like, rich people are mean, rich people suck, like, rich yes. people are assholes. Uh, some of the ones that you just mentioned. So how do we, once we are aware that we have an old story or a limiting belief around money, what are some techniques to shift that negative belief around money? So once we've poked the holes and we realize that um, we want to reprogram and reframe these conversations, there's many things that people do to do this. So the, some of that is hypnosis. Some of that is is, is um, a form of meditation and affirmations. Um, but I want to say that you just can't sit on your couch and say, I am rich, I am rich, I am rich. <laughs> it doesn't happen. Um, there is inspired action that has to go along with that. Um, but there is a lot of, uh, there's tapping, if you've heard of tapping, yeah. there is a combination of, um, that a lot of internal inner work that has to happen. And that takes time. That is a journey. Again, that, that is going to unfold over time. And I feel like it's a lifelong journey, but you can certainly have a change in life, um, experiences based on some major reframing. So you don't need to wait until like 10 years from now to have a whole new look on life. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, but the, the, the hypnosis, the, the, the reprogramming is a, is a, is a big factor. Um, and then just stopping yourself when you have those moments and you go, wait a minute. Okay. No, let me rephrase that. And you re reframe it. And then you say that over and over again. So you repeat that over again in your mind. Um, so that over time, because the brain is neuroplastic, you, you can absolutely reprogram your, your brain. And that happens with some of those recurring affirmations that happen. I have a question about spending because some teachers are like, well, money flows and you don't mm-hmm. want to have like a lot of frugality around your spending habits. If you really want something, you should just get it and have faith that you will manifest the money to pay for it. It's so easy to spend money online with Amazon and a lot of these yeah. online shopping sites. And it's definitely like a dopamine hit. I know that I'm a little bit addicted to online shopping or a lot addicted. Um, so what is your philosophy on that? Like, should, do you tell people to have a very tight budget around money or do you tell, give people like some leeway to say, Hey, money's going to flow in whether I spend it or not. Like, what is your philosophy around that? Yeah, it's a great question. So it's going to depend on the person and their circumstance. If somebody is in a large um, amount of debt, credit card debt, and they're trying to get out of that. The advice for them is going to be very different than somebody who is out of debt. They're doing well, but they just are very frugal because they're just afraid that, you know, there's not enough money ever. And so there's going to be a different conversation based on that, you know, that, that, that story. Um, So if you are out spending money and feeling like, Oh, it's, it's always going to come back to me. That's great. However, if you are in a situation where you have this debt, that is not great. The focus should be getting out of that debt. The focus should be paying down that debt and knowing that that's a temporary situation and you will get out of it and you can recreate this beautiful life where you can enjoy things. Um, However, I also don't really advise on super strict, super tight watching the budget either because that is very constricting. You know, it's like a diet. If you told me I had to weigh my food and look at every calorie, I would call you a few choice names and I would say it's not going to happen, right? So um, I'm not going to tell you to watch every penny and, and document every dollar. But if you are in a situation where you've got debt, then I'm going to say you've got to watch what's coming in and what's going out. And yes, we do need to address the debt. And first and foremost, let's kind of build a savings account. Let's put that emergency savings as a, as a you know, as a priority. Um, and, and so that conversation, again, will be different than if I had somebody who was completely fine, debt-free, enjoying life. And they just, because they're fearful, limiting beliefs, they feel like they can't loosen the purse strings. I'm going to say, you know, yes, it is okay. It's, it's okay to celebrate life. It's okay to know that, you know, the, the, the money flows, that it's energy and that will, it will, you know, come and go. Um, and there's no reason to be fearful. You will not run out of money. I think a lot of the conversation is, I don't know if I'm going to run out of money. Yeah. And so that's, that's again, that, that kind of fear base, but it's also dependent upon their situation. So it's a very personal conversation, but it's, it's an important one. And I, and I agree with you that there is that energy flow and you've got to, you know, learn to just let go and know that's going to come back. Um, but not at the expense of more debt. Yeah. People can be anorexic with money. I think money and food are very similar because like with drinking, I've stopped drinking. I'm a sober member of Alcoholics Anonymous. And that's just like abstinence. Like I know that I will not pick up the first drink no matter what. 
But with money and with love, you have to change your whole paradigm. And that's why there's a lot of inner work that is so valuable to do because let's say you're anorexic around money and you just will not spend, like you'll get like wonder bread because it's, you know, a dollar for a loaf instead of multigrain bread, even though you know that multigrain bread is healthier for you. And, you know, you're just completely, your home is falling apart because you won't invest in getting anything repaired and your shoes have holes in them. Like that is so dysfunctional and unhealthy to be anorexic. So Then there's the other extreme, right, of a binger. And you can say the same with food. There's anorexics who don't eat anything and they're like, you know, they're about to die because they're starved. And then there's bingers who are 300, 400 pounds overweight. And the same is true with money. You know, there's people that go to Vegas and will blow their whole 401k on a poker game or they'll, you know, go 100. I had a, a relationship with someone. Uh, who financed a movie on credit cards and he went a million dollars in credit card debt. Oh dear. Finance a movie. Moly. So there's such extreme. So how, like, where can people find some moderation if they're either an anorexic or a binger when it comes to money? Well, that really originates from that money story and understanding that subconscious loop. Because they have to understand what is what is the tape recorder in their brain. What is it that they are not talking about, you know, outside in the, the, the conscious level, um, but what's going on? So that's where that inner work is is, is huge. Um, they're actually financial therapists. Wow! It, it's a form of a therapist that deals with the finances. I'm more of a coach. There is some therapy in there in that conversation but there's a financial therapist who goes deep and they're specifically trained from the therapy side because there is a lot of dysfunction you know when when it it comes to everyone's situation and like you said there's such a vast difference um and i I think the majority of of society is sort of in the middle like trying to get by in life they're they're you know things are expensive they're trying to pay their bills they're you know things are tight because they've lost their job or they've got some credit card debt you know that's that's the bulk but yes, definitely there's the extremes and those are the ones that need some deeper work, some deeper help. Because I think when you're a binger, you're using stuff buying to fill like a God-sized hole yeah. that it's a soul sickness and uh, yeah, deeper work needs to be done. I heard, and this number might have changed, correct me if I'm wrong, the average American has 16000 of credit card debt. That's about right. Yeah, that, that, that's about right. And and uh, I think it's like sixty or $70,000 saved in retirement funds um, for the older, you know, 50, 60-year-olds. Um, and so, yes, it, it, is, it is a situation where um, we need help. People need, you know, definitely need help. Um, And I think that a lot of that, uh, you know, unfortunately with society today, there's a lot of keeping up with the Joneses. And there's a lot of, if I have this external image, people will think better of me. So there's this sense of lack of worth. And I'm always looking at, okay, our our, our self-worth is nothing to do with our net worth. 
Right. That's quotable. Our self-worth has nothing to do with our net worth. That's beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think that there's a lot of that comparison and trying to look, you know, successful, trying to look this, this image and um, it comes at the expense of their time freedom, their financial freedom, their peace of mind, their quality of life. And I would much rather drive a 10 year old car and have peace of life or, or peace of mind and, and, a, and a quality of life than drive a, a you know, hundred thousand dollar vehicle and, and be living in stress because I have this big old debt. Right. So, um, I think as we get older and I can speak for myself as I've gotten older, I've gotten wiser and just more like, I don't give a shit what people think. It's like, yes. you know what? It's like, it's my life. It's my environment, my home, my family, my loved ones. What is best for my unit? What is best for, for us? And um, I'm not going to compromise that to impress somebody else. And that's what I think um, gets in the way with people. There's, there's this need to try to impress everybody else. And for what? It's like, who are these people anyways, right? Yeah. <laughs> There's strangers on the internet who who, who gives a flying flip who, who they are, right? Um, so that's that's kind of where where I um, have have shifted in time. Well, you live in the Los Angeles area like I do. And, you know, I live in an area with a lot of apartment buildings. And mm. sometimes I'll see like a brand new Range Rover or Tesla, you know, parked in front of these old apartment buildings. And I'm like, wow, like they're putting everything into impressing other people. And I yeah. say that they're car rich and house poor. And then yeah. on the internet, I also see influencers and different people taking these exotic vacations. I'm like, how can they afford these exotic vacations? So you could say they're they're travel rich and you know house poor. And I totally agree with you, Patty. It's all for just social media and looking a certain way. But what really matters is their level of freedom and peace of mind. Mm-hmm. Um, financial abundance, not what people think. Hundred percent, yeah. And I and I think it just has to. Um, people need to just sort of stop, reflect, and and um, really realize that that is such an important factor. Because you know, and I'll kind of expand on this a little bit. The financial stresses that we're causing ourselves, the debts, the lack of savings, all that is affecting our health. Yes. And, and and then then you're dealing with trying to just uh, stay healthy. And so that becomes a whole different animal that we're dealing with, right? So uh yeah, I think that uh the internal work needs to happen and we need to step away from social media and that comparison game a little bit um to really find what it is that makes our heart tick. So true. So I know uh, one of your niches is helping divorced women. What are three steps a divorced woman can take with regards to money? So yeah, great question. Um, depending upon their their um, timing with divorce, if they're in the middle of a divorce or newly divorced, and they're still in that very raw, painful, vulnerable place. Um, my recommendation is not to do anything major when it comes to their money. Don't make any big decisions because they can be costly. 
you're not in a good frame of mind. You're not in a, you know, you're dealing with the grief, the trauma. Um, you're in this cloud and you can't make a good decision financially when you're in that place. If you're, you know, outside of divorce by a year or two and you're, you know, you've got, you've, you've processed the, the healing and the grief, um, reach out to somebody that you trust, whether it be a financial advisor, a financial coach, a, a, a good close family friend that you feel safe with and that you feel secure in speaking about this, this conversation um, and get the help that you think you, you need. Um, stay off of the internet because there's a lot of crap online when it comes to investing advice and you've got to be careful that you don't listen to all this stuff. Um, I also suggest that if somebody's trying to sell you something, particularly a product that is commission-based, that you, you know, have the little red warning lights come on. Um, not that they're bad. Some of these products are not bad products, but if these, if, if, it's, if the focus is selling you something and then you don't understand it, or you don't feel good about it and listen to your intuition. We as women are very intuitive. Um, if, if uh, you know, we don't, we don't feel good about that decision, just push pause and say, you know what, I'm going to think about this. I'm going to get some advice. Thank you. And then, and then just stop it. Um, there's a lot of, um, you know, situations where you're sold a product. And I always say that if you, you can't turn around and teach that product to a fourth grader, you don't understand it enough on your own to be able to buy it because a lot of those type of products or investment vehicles, there's a lot of moving parts. And if you don't understand it, you shouldn't be investing in it. Um, so definitely seek some help. And then I would also just say, give yourself some grace. I, I know I've talked to lots of women who have come in, um, whether it be when I was in the mortgage business or in the, in the financial services side, um, who were just so hard on themselves. They were so, um, feeling shameful and embarrassed that they didn't know more. Their husbands took care of the financing, their husbands took care of the investing, so they just never really bothered to learn much about it. And now they're in this place where they've got to start over and they're just behind the eight ball. And they just, it's just so uncomfortable for them. So my, you know, one of the first things I say is just give yourself some grace. You know, we didn't learn this in school. Unfortunately, this is not one of our core curriculum in our, you know, environment today. And we don't learn it at home typically from our parents. I mean, there are some families that do, but the vast majority have not. So it's okay. Let's just look today forward and not look at the past and beat ourselves up about what we did or didn't do in the past. Let's just take today what we can do and take baby steps to move forward. And that takes a lot of the ah, off of people because there's this weight of like, oh, I'm just, I just, I should, I should know this. And I'm like, no, it's okay. This is what we're going to do together. It's so great that you're doing what you're doing, Patty, because yeah, they don't teach anything about paying bills or balancing a budget or investments or college loans or anything in yeah. school, yet it it's literally, you know, what we revolve our life around. And I really like what you said about if you can't explain the investment to a fourth grader, don't do it because I almost invested $5,000 in a private equity fund for women. But I hadn't, because I love like empowering women, but I, I didn't have any idea how I was going to make that money back. And that private equity equity fund ended up being disbanded and not working. Oh, so wow. uh, that is great advice, investment advice. If you can't explain how you're going to get your money back to a fourth grader, it's probably too complicated. Not saying that some of them aren't good, but I mean, I'm... 
I'm not a big fan. I know a lot of people are making money off of crypto and there's, you know, governments that are running their whole country on crypto and all that stuff, but I'm, I'm not clear enough about it to invest my money on it. I don't understand it. Um, what is your advice about investing in cryptocurrency? I'm not a fan myself because it is very confusing. Um, however, if you want to take, you know, a very small portion, a couple hundred bucks, you know, maybe a thousand bucks at the most, um, again, depending upon your situation, and you feel like you want to, you know, go into it with the assumption that you're going to lose it. If you're okay losing it, then okay. But um, don't do this because you feel like you're going to be that, that FOMO, you know, if oh, I'm going to miss out on this opportunity. Um, I had some clients who did exceptionally well and then they lost it. So it's like this volatile situation. And I don't know that, you know, yeah, we don't under, and I don't fully understand crypto. I don't, I mean, there's a lot to that. Um, so I talk about it like being your Vegas money. If you're okay yeah. losing it, if you're okay losing it, fine. Do not take your 401k. <laughs> do not do that at all um that is extremely dangerous and reckless for sure and i think the same is true with lending someone money somebody once told me if you lend someone money you got to just think that you're probably never going to get it back and have zero expectations of ever getting it back because if you're giving people money and expecting them to pay back you might be really disappointed and it could hurt a lot of your relationships. So what do you have the same philosophy about lending money? Oh boy, I have a story. Um, yeah, I actually was dating a gentleman for about five years and uh, needed some money, a large amount of money for a very short time. He was waiting for somebody to come in and I lent him the money and uh, he goes, it'll be a week. It'll be a week. I'll get it back to you in a week. I'm like, okay. Well, a year went by and I'm like, okay, let's, you know, and I was, poking him all on the way, never got it back, unfortunately. Um, and yeah, so if you have a, 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 a loved one that needs money that you want to lend money to, consider it a gift. Yes. It is a gift. Here's a gift to you, but, and if it comes back, if the loan is repaid, beautiful. That's icing on the cake. But the, the mindset should be, it's, it's my gift to you. And if you find that you can pay it back later, great. But and it's dangerous. And as a gift, it's a tax write-off, correct? Um, if it's a gift to a family member, no. If it's you're just giving like your, yeah, I mean, well, uh, if it's under, what is it now, 14000 you can give a certain amount of money as a gift to a family member um, or anybody, and it's, and it's not, there's not, there's no taxable event. But if you're doing it to a business, then there's a, a different piece of that. I would talk to a CPA on that, but generally speaking, if you're gifting money to a friend or a family, it's not really a tax deduction. Okay. Now, when it comes to investing money, where should one start? Should they start with stocks or 401k, real estate, uh, investing in a small business? Like, Tell us where to start if somebody's getting ready to make their first investment. So I would start with saying if you've got a 401k with your company that you work for, definitely open a 401k and take advantage of that. Because if there's a company match, that's free money. And that is huge. If they have a Roth option within that 401k, that oftentimes is even a better option because that's tax-free money 
um, it grows tax free and it's withdrawn with no no taxable event versus a regular 401k that is tax deferred. And then when you take the money out, it is income. But a 401k is absolutely the first place to, to do. And I would say if you, you know, at all possible, max that out every year, that would be my recommendation. And then as far as your taxable brokers type of accounts, um, index funds. I'm not a big option of taking individual stocks and picking stocks. Let the pros do it. These, these index funds, these managers, they're um, doing all the homework. They're doing all the analysis. They're looking at the companies. Um, and so the index funds, and there's you know many different funds. There's different sectors. So if you like a particular sector, if you like the finance sector, if you like the energy sector, if you like, um, I mean, there's, just, there's so many sectors. Then you can, you know, and my big thing is diversify. Don't have everything in one, in one you know, basket. Um, there's an S&P 500 index fund. So that invests in the S&P 500. That's a very global you know, way to invest. And that's a great way to invest because you're involved with 500 companies. So you're diversified among more companies versus one. So if you look at over time, um, and a lot of these companies, if you go to Fidelity or Vanguard or Schwab, you can go to those funds and you can very easily see the um, performance over time. You can see the one, three, five-year, 10-year performance over time. And you can also see what their expense ratios are. You can see how expensive they are to maintain. So look at those expense ratios. Look at the performance. Pick a few that you like. And then know that it's long-term. So anything in the stock market that you're doing should be money that you have no intention of ever touching for at least seven years. If you have a need for money for a house, a large wedding, a big major trip, um, in less than seven years, it should not be in the stock market. Market's very volatile. You've got to let it ride long term. So those monies should be in a um, either in a fixed income like a bond fund or in a money market account that's more liquid and less volatile. And that's kind of how you want to diversify those those assets. Well, that's a, that's a great answer. Now, what's one thing that we can do today or this week? to either help us get out of credit card debt and or start making more money? Give us a couple of practical tips to end this interview. So as far as credit card debt, I would start with, and people unfortunately don't do this, they don't really have a good understanding of what they've got. So I have an Excel spreadsheet, like credit card company name, what the balance outstanding is, what the minimum payment is, and what the interest rate is. A lot of times when I ask what the interest rate is on their card, they have no idea. So it's like, look at the statement, check at the interest rate, and there's a couple ways you can pay it off. There's the way where you, um, there's snowball and avalanche. So there's the looking at the highest paying interest rate and paying that down first, or you can start with the smallest balance on the credit card and paying that off first and then rolling that payment into the next lowest payment. That is more emotionally rewarding because, oh, I got a credit card paid off, yay. But if it's the lowest interest rate, that isn't from a math perspective necessarily the best way to do it. So it's whatever you feel like you would get that fuel going, um, but make a plan and have a plan to just keep that payment and never just pay the minimum. Always pay more because that you'll never, I mean, it'll take forever to get out of that debt. Um, And it kind of ties into your next question, which is earning some side income. So a lot of people start a little side hustle and earn a few extra bucks. And put that all to the credit card debt, which is fantastic. 
Um, you know, with the advent of the internet, there are so many opportunities to make money. There are so many people who are creating courses. They're 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 just doing things, um, and and the world is your oyster. I mean, you can talk to people anywhere in the world. I had a, a conversation the other day with somebody in Japan and then Australia. And it's like that's just amazing. And now with COVID, we've we've had this comfort level with Zoom, right? So there's so much we can do. Um, so pick a talent, pick your skill set, pick something that you'd love to do, and find a way to generate income from it. And there are ways to do that. And so when you start to generate a few hundred bucks a month, plop it towards your debt. And that's going to accelerate that, that payment. And I can show you how to do that because I have a course called Create Your Six-Figure Side Hustle. So there you go. Um, so how can people stay in touch with you, Patty? So the best way is to jump over to my website. It's pattyhandy.com, P-A-T-T-I-H-A-N-D-Y. Um, I have a free ebook that I just actually put on there recently. It's on the homepage. You can download the free ebook, and then there's a free masterclass that you'll watch from there. Uh, and then you'll be in my e email, so you'll get my newsletters and you'll get my updates. Um, so that's the best way to stay in touch with me. Amazing. And where are you hanging out on social? Where can we find you there, Patty? So I am primarily on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. And it's just my name, uh, patty.handy on Instagram. It's just Patty Handy on LinkedIn and just Patty Handy on Facebook. Although there was a couple of Patty Handies with an I, because usually it's Patty with a Y, but there's a few Patty with eyes on Facebook. So you got to just look for the short hair brunette gal. <laughs> That'll be me. Amazing. Well, Patty, you are doing so much to empower people, especially single, divorced, and widowed women to get control of their finances and step into their power. So thank you so much for being a guest on the Balanced, Beautiful, and Abundant show. Thanks, everyone who is listening on Facebook, Instagram. And if you're listening on a major podcast platform, go ahead, take a screenshot, tag me. I'll reshare it in my stories on Instagram at Rebecca E. Whitman. If you could take 30 seconds out of your incredibly busy day and leave a five-star review, it would mean the world to me. This is a word of mouth podcast. We don't have paid ads. It's just one person tapping another person on the shoulder going, hey, do you want more balance in your life? Do you want more beauty? Do you want more abundance? And check out this podcast. So if you could subscribe, rate, and review, it would mean the world to me. This has been another amazing episode of the Balanced, Beautiful, and Abundant show. I'm your host, Rebecca Whitman. Until we meet again, keep your vibe high and magnetize. Bye, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the Balanced, Beautiful, and Abundant Show. I'm your host, Rebecca Whitman, taking you from burned out and overwhelmed to balanced, beautiful, and abundant. I am hosting a weekly women's circle on Tuesdays at 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, where you get to experience my coaching for free. It is open and it is amazing for accountability, support, and community. All you have to do is go to the link in bio to reserve your spot, and I can't wait to meet you on a live Zoom call. I also am having an amazing summer promotion called the 5-Day Drop. <laughs> 
Lose five pounds in five days, guaranteed. It's a great way to detox your body. It's a metabolism reset, and it will help you feel balanced, beautiful, and abundant all summer long. So make sure you go to the link in my bio to learn about the five-day drop. I am so appreciative of you listening to my show. The best compliment you could ever pay me is to rate, review, subscribe, and share with a friend because I know you know other people who want to go from burned out and overwhelmed to balanced, beautiful, and abundant. Thanks again for listening, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Bye.